here at The Times, we're still buzzing over college sports. A couple of weeks back, we profiled elite gymnasts on new NCAA rules that allow student athletes to profit off their names and images. It started at like a couple grand, then it went to like over five, and then it gradually just like went to 10. And so it just like got higher as I went. It was a huge recent development in the multi-billion dollar NCAA industry, with some college athletes now being able to rake millions. And it's meant to be a corrective to a decades-long shady underground economy. Today, we announce charges of fraud and corruption in the world of college basketball. In this episode, on the heels of last week's NCAA March Madness Championships, we're focusing on men's college basketball. The picture painted by the charges brought today is not a pretty one. An LA Times investigation revisits one big case in 2017 brought by the FBI. In all... We have charged 10 people in three separate complaints. The Times examined thousands of pages of court testimony, intercepted phone calls, text messages, emails, and performance reviews. These records provide a detailed look inside the high-profile investigation. Coaches at some of the nation's top programs soliciting and accepting cash bribes. Managers and financial advisors circling blue-chip prospects like coyotes and employees of one of the world's largest sportswear companies secretly funneling cash to the families of high school recruits. But almost six years later, men's college basketball did not undergo seismic reforms. And what people don't know was that the lead FBI agent was himself convicted of crimes in his handling of the investigation. I'm Gustavo Ariano. You're listening to The Times, Essential News. From the LA Times. It's Wednesday, April 12, 2023. Today, LA Times investigation reporter Nathan Fenno on new details and scrutiny surrounding the 2017 botched FBI case, codenamed Allers. Nathan, welcome to Times. Thanks for having me on. First off, man, what a great investigation by you, but also disheartening, you know? So before we get into the crazy details, we should start at the beginning. What set off the initial FBI investigation into college sports? So this goes back almost a decade to uh, 2014. You have this financial advisor, a guy named Marty Blazer, back in uh, Pennsylvania, who is under investigation for misappropriating more than $2 million from clients, many of whom are professional athletes. And he starts talking to the feds and uh, eventually agrees to cooperate and starts making secret recordings of college athletes, uh, their parents, uh, sports agents, all these people, all of course in hopes of receiving leniency for his own crimes. So Marty Blazer cooperates with the feds for almost two years. And according to all the documents we've seen, it didn't really lead anywhere. So then the FBI enters the picture. Scott Carpenter, uh, a veteran FBI agent, is appointed to be the lead case agent in uh, late 2016. He's an Army veteran, did two tours in Iraq with the 82nd Airborne, 
Carpenter had been with the FBI for uh, almost a decade by that point in time. He'd worked on high-profile FBI cases before, like the uh, investigation of the global soccer corruption. He's a really well-respected guy, and his talent seemed to be the perfect fit for this investigation. So what was Carpenter's plan to get into this world? So after the first several months of investigation by the FBI, they bring in an undercover FBI agent. He uses the name Jeff D'Angelo. That's, of course, a fake name. He's posing as this rich 30-something guy from New Jersey. Some of the people who met him called him like a Jersey Shore character, sort of a trust fund wannabe. Big personality, hair slicked back, big talker, fancy clothes, the whole nine yards. We'd like to develop a network of coaches for me for insurance to have a bigger influence at the collegiate level. Jeff D'Angelo, the undercover FBI agent, was posing as somebody who wanted to invest in a sports management company. Here's the model. Like, I, we're gonna, we're, I'm funding you, your, 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 your side of the business, and I'm staying out of your way, and you're going to do that. He seemed to have tons of money. And he seemed to find a willing partner in Christian Dawkins. Okay, for the three grand a month, it was essentially helping me get access to Adidas platform, helping me maintain relationships, helping us continue to guarantee the players. I think that's what the three grand should be. Christian Dawkins is a 20-something who's been recruiting players for sports agents for several years. Super ambitious, big dreams. He's wanted to start a sports management company. And in this undercover FBI agent, Jeff D'Angelo, he thinks he's finally found the guy who can provide the money to turn this dream into reality. And then we just kind of, you know, we, we have our conversation, we agree to the terms, and we go from there. So Jeff D'Angelo, the undercover FBI agent, asks Christian Dawkins to set up meetings in Las Vegas with several college coaches with the idea that bribes would be paid to some of these coaches to pressure their players to retain this sports management company that they were starting up. The coaches that are on our payroll that we're controlling, it's almost like a pseudo-guarantee that they're going to come back and sign with us. So what's absolutely crucial to understand is Dawkins finds this whole plan to bribe college coaches to be absolutely idiotic. Honestly, it doesn't make sense to spend it. So if you just want to read Santa Claus and just give people money, well, let's just take that money and just go to a strip club and just buy hookers. He goes back and forth with... Jeff D'Angelo about this. This is the problem with that, though, Jeff. Yeah, I'm sure he does, but does those coaches really matter is my thing to you. Like, this is the thing, bro. It's only a handful of schools that have that produces NBA players, bro. He tries to reason with him. He gets upset with them. And in the end, Jeff D'Angelo is adamant they have to bribe college coaches. But Christian Dawkins says that's just not the way things are done. The college coaches don't hold the ultimate influence in the lives of these basketball players. Parents and handlers and AAU coaches and things like that are the folks who actually have the influence, not the college coaches. But D'Angelo is absolutely hell-bent on giving money to the coaches. Yeah, I got a place, you know, nice place to meet. Um, and I was going to just make, a, uh, make arrangements to have, you know, like a good amount of cash out there to just make sure we can conduct business. So all this culminates in July of 2017 with this undercover operation in Las Vegas. Coming up, the sting operation.
Nathan, so this sting operation in Las Vegas, puppet mastered by lead FBI agent Scott Carpenter, he had all the people that he needed there to bribe college coaches. What happened? It's July 2017, and these guys end up in Las Vegas, and this is super over the top. It's sort of maybe like your ultimate weekend in Las Vegas, except the government is uh, paying for the whole thing. It's absolutely scorching outside, and inside this fancy penthouse at the Cosmopolitan Hotel, there's all sorts of food and alcohol, and everything's being recorded by hidden cameras. Yeah. I got six, yeah. And over about two and a half days, Jeff D'Angelo and Christian Dawkins meet with about 10 coaches in this penthouse suite. And to a few of them, Jeff D'Angelo hands over envelopes stuffed with cash. We're going to be providing something, you know, to make sure the, the kids that we're involved with, we give back, right? Um, and what the feds allege is that was an exchange for promises these coaches would steer their players or direct their players to retain this fledgling sports agency. This all culminated at a poolside cabana, of all things, at, at the Cosmopolitan. There was a final uh, transaction between D'Angelo and a coach. And then uh, the FBI agents, who had spent uh, $1,500 in a food and beverage minimum to, to rent this cabana, decided to spend the afternoon there. And by all accounts, the agents thought things had gone really well. Okay, so the FBI sting was successful for them, more or less. So what happened after that? Court records describe a pretty good time at the cabana. So there were uh, four FBI agents, including Scott Carpenter, the lead case agent. And he uh, admitted to drinking nearly a fifth of vodka in the afternoon they spent at the cabana and at least a six-pack of beer. Somehow he was able to get back to the penthouse suite afterward, showered and changed clothes and got cleaned up. And before leaving the suite, he grabbed 10 grand in government money from the safe in the room. The four agents headed uh, next door to the Bellagio, ended up in a high roller blackjack lounge there. And Carpenter used that 10 grand of government money to buy gaming chips and uh, sat down at the blackjack table and uh, started gambling. It didn't go well. <laughs> um, when it was all said and done, Carpenter had gambled for two or three hours and lost about $13,500. Court records are vague about what the other three agents were doing other than they were at the bar, in the lounge, allegedly watching what was going on. Okay, well, what was the reaction, though, for Carpenter losing not just the $10,000, but even more? I'm sure his handlers weren't happy with that. Yeah, so eventually when these agents returned to New York, where they were based, a few days later, Carpenter fesses up to his supervisor and is pulled from the operation. And he uh, quickly checks into a uh, inpatient alcohol rehabilitation facility. But again, it's important to note he keeps his service weapon, keeps his security clearance, keeps his badge, keeps his job. Wow. So you have a lead FBI agent gambling away taxpayer money, drinking vodka, to put it lightly. Was any of this ever mentioned publicly once details of the investigation came out? Yeah, so 
the investigation becomes public in September 2017. It was a huge deal, coast-to-coast news. The court papers outline a two-year investigation into bribes paid to coaches and assistants to steer basketball players to agents and, in some cases, schools. Among those charged is the director of international sports marketing at Adidas, which has huge investments outfitting pros and college athletes as well as teams. Carpenter and what happened in Vegas, of course, is not mentioned then. In all, 10 guys were charged in this investigation. Among them were four college assistant coaches. They were all fired and eventually pleaded guilty to felonies, and their careers were uh, turned upside down. Christian Dawkins, the 20-something who was uh, starting up this sports management company, got the longest prison sentence of the guys convicted in the case. He was sentenced to a a year and a day in prison, was actually uh, just released at the end of this past March. The idea, though, that something had gone wrong there starts to kind of circulate. And there's a few stories about it in the months and years that follow, but there's no specifics about it. These details, this incident is uh, kept very, very much in the background. And so you have this big press conference, you have these convictions, but the sordidness of what happened during the investigation didn't really come out until you came in. So what got you interested into looking into the misconduct? In February of last year, Scott Carpenter pleaded guilty to gambling away this government money. Now, it's important to note, he only pleaded guilty to a misdemeanor charge. All the other coaches who were either charged or convicted in this case got hit with felonies. As we know, there's a big gulf between getting hit with a federal felony and a misdemeanor. But uh, after Scott Carpenter's guilty plea in early 2020, that opened a door to re-examine the whole investigation. There were new details to sift through because of the Carpenter court case, and it really allowed us to explore this whole investigation through the prism of the lead agent. What did the FBI have to say about your reporting? They declined to comment, have a lot of questions for them, still do, but uh, it's not something they want to talk about. After the break, what the Ballers investigation means for men's college basketball today. Nathan, it's 2023. What's happened since the investigation ended? So this whole investigation, for as much sound and fury as there was at the time, it just sort of faded away. It didn't lead to dramatic transformation or structural change. It didn't in the careers of high-profile coaches. The sport has uh, continued to make tons of money, continued to be incredibly popular, as we've just seen with the NCAA tournament just wrapped up. The biggest change in college basketball from when this investigation was unveiled to today is probably the fact that college athletes can now profit off the use of their name, image, and likeness, which has allowed companies that were involved in this FBI investigation like Adidas, they don't need middlemen or anything like that. They can sponsor kids directly if they want to. Did this investigation at least reveal other things about men's college basketball? Because as you know, especially, this is a a sport that has been mired in all sorts of allegations of financial malfeasance for decades, decades. Some of the coaches and other guys caught up in this investigation 
probably to no surprise, have really strong feelings about sort of the structural issues within the sport where you have some people making a ton of money off of it. You know, high-profile coaches, assistants, athletic directors, shoe companies. This is a multi, multi, multi-million dollar industry, um, except for the kids on the court. They're getting a college scholarship, but they, of course, are prohibited from being compensated for their on-court ability. That is an issue that continues to percolate today. What did the coaches that were convicted have to say about all this? So these guys were left to pick up the pieces of their lives. And most of them will say, hey, I screwed up, but I thought I might have been violating NCAA rules. I, I had no idea any of this would be a federal crime, much less a federal felony. One of these coaches who was initially charged and then the charges were dropped is a guy named Jonathan Bradley Augustine, a Florida youth basketball coach. And he had really strong feelings about this whole saga, and he called it a massive waste of time on everybody's part, you know, on, on the part of the coaches whose careers were up, upended, on the part of the prosecutors who were focused on this instead of other crimes, and even with the FBI agents, the same way. One of the things that, if you talk to people caught up in the case or familiar with it, that inevitably comes up is that the four assistant coaches who were uh, charged and convicted are all black. And that's something that really bothers uh, certainly their defense attorneys and uh, many of these coaches, and they see a racial element to all of this. And uh, I spoke with Merle Code, who's a, a former college basketball player, worked for Adidas, worked for Nike, and became a target of the sting and served time in prison because of this investigation. He had told me that, you know, when you're a black assistant coach, you've got the world on your shoulders. If you don't get kids, you don't keep your job. But if you don't do what's necessary to get kids, you're not going to be successful. And what's necessary to get kids is to help the family. And by help the family, that can mean directing some cash their way or helping out with a rent payment or whatever. So there's a deeper story here about the power imbalance, if you will, that some folks see in college basketball, despite the <laughs> the happy times we all see on the court and, uh, and and whatnot. Nathan, does the FBI usually do these types of investigations into college sports? I mean, do they think it's something so crucial to the nation's national security that they devote a lot of funds to it? That's a really good question. And the short answer is, we don't know how many of these investigations into college sports have taken place. But I'll tell you this. We got a copy of the performance review for Scott Carpenter, the lead FBI agent in this case. And it noted that this investigation was the top priority for the public corruption squad of the New York FBI office for almost all of 2017. And our listeners can make of that what they will. But uh, there's a lot of public corruption out there. And... There's a good question to be asked if this is the best use of time and resources for honored of agencies in New York FBI and, and its public corruption squad. There's some broader, I guess, philosophical questions. You know, how do you define corruption? Is it corrupt for a uh, college basketball player, for example, or their family to make money because the kid is good at their sport? That might violate a rule and be corrupt by you know, an organization's standards, but does that then become a federal crime? There's just a lot of questions this investigation has generated that haven't been answered yet. 
Nathan Fennell, thank you so much for this conversation. Thanks for having me. And you can read more about the Ballers investigation and watch behind the scene video and read the original story at latimes.com. Nathan, whatever happened to that Jersey Shore style character, Jeff D'Angelo? So Jeff D'Angelo in early August of 2017 told Christian Dawkins that he had to head to Italy to care for his ailing mother and he vanished. He was never heard from in the case again. And that's it for this episode of The Times. Essential news from the LA Times. Denise Guerra was a hef on this episode. It was edited by Jasmina Aguilera and Mario Diaz mixed in Masterday. Special thanks to video producer Jacqueline Luna. Our show is produced by Denise Guerra, Kasha Pasalian, David Oledo, and Ashley Brown. Our editorial assistants are Roberto Reyes and Nicholas Perez. Our fellow is Helen Lee. Our engineers are Mario Diaz, Mark Nieto, and Mike Heflin. Our executive producers are Jasmina Aguilera, Shani Hilton, and Hiba El Urbani. And our theme music is by Andrew Epen. I'm Gustavo Ariano. We'll be back Friday with all the news in this madre. Gracias. Gracias.